I'm back. I'm Kent Hill. I'm with my very good friend, Steve Mitchell, who I spoke to, geez, it's a while ago now. I think it feels like it's all pre-COVID. It's all lost in the wash there, but we're talking, Steve Mitchell is the uh, acclaimed filmmaker of the very excellent documentary King Cohen on the late, great Larry Cohen, but now he's back. Kickstarter just just launched uh, on July 26th to be part of the new feature-length documentary on the life and career of the working class actor, the mighty Windshauser, the thunderbolt that can't be tamed. He was once known as Wings Living Right. He's back in all his glory. I remember uh, back, I, thought, I can't remember, I think it was pre-2010, the Sydney Underground Film Festival here did a retrospective of a lot of Wings's movies. And like it says in the uh, in the material here, for anyone who rented VHS movies in the 80s and 90s would be fully aware. I first saw Wings in, um, oh, geez, what was the first film I can remember? I think it was The Wind. I think The Wind. Really? I remember seeing first. I mean, I eventually, of course, saw uh, a lot of the other ones. Um, of course, Tough Guys Don't Dance. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah, but uh, Steve, thank you for chatting this thing with me again. Oh, it's my it's my pleasure, Kent. It's nice to see you again. It's nice It's nice to, to see you again, mate. And um, yes, after King Cohen, which was a marvellous, marvellous film, this looks like it's going to be yet another yet another hit you've picked another marvelous subject for a film and it doesn't get more colorful than a man who's been directed by norman mailer from norman mailer to michael man this is a movie that was sort of born out of COVID. i have uh, my producing partners on on uh, king cohen and i uh and and a couple of other pals of ours we get together about once a month okay. and we will watch either we usually watch stuff that's entertaining, and sometimes you watch A list movies that are entertaining. Sometimes we watch B's or C's, hmm. uh, with the idea of just having some fun. And uh, m- one of my executive producers on this project uh, is a fellow named Cyrus Morris, who's a screenwriter and uh, a producer. And for some reason, he had never seen Vice Squad. Okay. Now, Vice Squad was my my uh, entrance into the world of. Uh, what did you call him? The what Thunderbolts? Ah, what the, was that? Yeah, the Thunderbolt that can't be tamed. <laughs> yeah, the th- that was the introduction of the Thunderbolt who can't be tamed on my part. So it seemed appropriate that Psy would sort of get the full-on explosive debut of Wings to the world. Uh, just to sort of go backwards a little bit, hmm. I remember when I saw that picture initially. I like I like B movies. I like Grindhouse movies. I like you know I like everything, but. I, I'm not I'm not a snob. So I was very surprised when Vincent Canby, the first string critic for the New York Times, gave the movie kind of a rave review. Right. And then I noticed in the credits that John, you know, uh, um, Kubrick cinematographer shot it. Um, I'm having a I'm, I'm having a senior moment here. Uh, yeah, but he shot it. And I'm going. They, they got a guy named Wings Hauser, a Kubrick guy worked on this. Uh, Vincent can be like the picture. I said, I got to go see this. So I go see it and I, and I am just sort of knocked sideways by really the coming out party that, uh, that was Wings Hauser. Mm, Uh, There's, there, there's a moment in movies in the late eighties where we met Alan Rickman 
And no one knew who Alan Rickman was. I mean, if you went to the theater in the West End of London, you probably knew. But in America, we didn't. And you see Alan Rickman, you go, who's this guy? Well, early in the 80s, the same thing happened with Wingshauser and Vice Squad. You go, who's this guy? And he had the crazy name. So um, I just presumed everybody had seen it, but my friend Cy had not. And we watched it. We loved it. We had a great time. And he and Cy said, yeah, we got to watch more stuff with this guy. This guy's great. Hmm. And then COVID hit. Right. And then we can do anything together. So we concocted this thing where we got together once a week, usually Friday nights. Hmm. And we like a book club, we would assign one of Wing's movies to watch. You know, somehow we could figure out a way to see it either streaming or home video or file sharing or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And so we would all watch the same Wingshauser picture or guest shots on right. television. Mm-hmm. And then we would usually have alcohol and have a lot of laughs. And sometimes the movies were good. Sometimes the movies were not so good. But Wings was always interesting and very entertaining. Oh, sure. So we did this for about a year. Wow, there you go. It's because, because of COVID, we, we, we couldn't hang. So that's how we hung. Right. Um, the Wings Movie Club. The Wings Housing Hauser Movie Club. I think someone called us the Hauser Knots <laughs> at some point. We like that. And so Sai's wife used to be uh, an agent uh, and was involved with casting. And she said to Sai, This is ridiculous. He should know about this, meaning Wings. Right. So she knew uh, a casting director who knew Wings' manager. Right. And sort of through this kind of circular route, yeah. we got to Wings. And Wings said, I'll give you guys a call. He doesn't, he's not great with technology. So he called us. He called Cy. Hmm. And Cy held up the phone to the speaker on his computer right. while, we, while we were having uh, one of our, our meetings. And we found almost immediately just how entertaining he was. I think he was a little nervous about us. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, Within a couple of minutes, everything just sort of just became very, you know, uh, familiar and kind of fun. And I'm listening to this guy who has great recall hmm. and is a great raconteur and a storyteller. Hmm. And in my mind, I'm kind of going, is there, is there a movie with this guy? And when we were done with that phone call, which lasted about an hour or so, yeah. my partner, Matt Verboys, always the entrepreneur, said, were you thinking what I was thinking? And I said, I think I was thinking what you were thinking. I said, you know, is there a movie with this guy? And I said, I'm leaning towards yes, hmm. after just chatting with him for about an hour. So we we met him at the Manhattan Beach studio, which was kind of mutually inconvenient for all of us. And we had to go through all these COVID protocols to get in. And we literally met him and hung out with him outside. There was kind of a picnic coffee area at the studio where, where we could just be outside. And then for another hour and a half, he kind of regaled us with all kinds of stories. Hmm. And afterwards, you know, Matt and my other partner, Dan, and I think Cy, Cy Voris was there too, who became our one of our execs, uh, exec producers. We all said, I think there's a movie with this guy. And we approached him and we suggested we would like to do well. We had were the whole point of the meeting was we were approaching him. And he had seen King Cohen and he got a sense of what we can do. And it kind of evolved from there. Hmm. 
And even though we were kind of in the height of COVID when we started, um, his dad was a screenwriter named Gerald Hauser. Hmm. And Gerald Hauser was very friendly with Kurt Russell's dad, Bing Russell. And together they built a playhouse out in a neighborhood called Thousand Oaks, which is about a half an hour or so west of the famous San Fernando Valley out here. And so because Wings had the family in, we had control of the theater. And so we could sort of keep things very uh, low key and tight as far as the whole COVID thing was concerned. But it was great because it was a terrific set. I mean, we're making a movie called Working Class Actor, and there's nothing more actorish than a great sort of uh, theatrical background. And we shot it in a way that you could sort of see, you know, what's off to the side of of the stage. Mm. And uh, there's all kinds of, I'll just say crap, you know, stuff that you would find in a theater. And we kind of lit it in a way that it had its theatricality. And I talked to the guy for hours, hours. And then I did another one where I talked to him for hours. I think we had three sessions. And so he was very candid about his life, uh, private and the career. And we have some amazing stuff, which... um, uh, I'm going to augment. I've already talked to about a dozen or so people who've worked with him. And I still, uh, the, the Kickstarter will help us get some more interviews yes. and finish up the picture and stuff like that. So that's how, how it all got started. Wow, there you go. I'll, I'll certainly, once once I get my pay packet next week, I'll certainly be going over to the, uh, the, the Kickstarter site, which you can, everyone can uh, check out right now. And uh, you can, there's there's a whole lot of, as the press uh, book says, uh, there's a whole lot of incentives that you have on offer. They can, of course, they can of course pre-order their uh, their copy of the, the the Blu-ray. But what what other sort of uh, rewards can people? Well, uh, I mean, there's the Blu-ray. Uh, we have great new key art that was created by Paul Shipper. Yes, great. Who was a noted UK illustrator and prince of a guy he's a he's a delightful guy and we sort of got him for king cohen before he kind of blew up and became a big deal yeah um and but when you know when we approached him to do wings you know he said sure right. you know and, and there was none of that big deal stuff he's just a delightful guy enormously talented mm-hmm. um and i think i may have mentioned this to you previously maybe not but i love the idea of having an illustrator do the poster Oh yeah, totally. so because yeah. uh, I'm old school, I oh, yeah. I grew up, you know, Jack Davis and Bob Peak and yeah. Frank McCarthy, Bob McGinnis, et cetera, et cetera, all these great guys, heroes to me. Sure. So I wanted a contemporary guy to do our our poster, yeah. and so you know, I think there's a poster, there's a T-shirt, a crew T-shirt, um, autograph stuff. I mean, to be fair, the guys uh, the, who are my producing partners, they did a lot of the heavy lifting on that, right? right. Um, there are all these different levels uh, that of, of incentives, rewards, whatever you want. Right. Um, the, the most important thing, whether, you know, whatever anybody can, you know, donate, is that even the right word? I'm not sure. But what you're doing is you're investing in living history. You're investing in his story. Sure. And one of the things that's great about his story is that he was the king for, I don't know, about the better part of 10 years, let's say, of, of home video movies. Oh, yeah. And he had his own, you know, there, there are video stores. I've been told by people who worked in video stores. He had his own section. 
he was literally uh, a star in that world. Yeah. You know, Indeed. and um, he made some good ones. He made some bad ones. He made some good ones that he directed. He made some bad ones he directed. Yeah. And most of them are good. Yeah. Uh, but the thing about Wings is he was always consistent. He was always good, always interesting. His performances are always fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not. Yeah, like you said, he's never he's never boring. Look, um, even in uh, a film like Road to Revenge, where he's got that great drunk scene that I think people won't be able to see it on YouTube. There's a clip of it. Wingshauser is is tanked or something. It's called, and he's uh, he's there. He goes, "My friend speaks. My spend. My friend speaks Hamlet. My friend, <laughs> you know." And he's yeah, you know, he's just going off at his friend. He goes, "And I'm gonna kill that guy with the cowboy hat." And the orange shirt, and the guy with the pink shirt, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just there, sometimes I think some of the movies he's in, he's in his own movie. Yeah, uh, you know, he kind of figures out what the movie is, and and he's like the Carpenter, which is this hmm. very bizarre French Canadian kind of horror ghost storyish kind of. Yeah, it, it's it's you know. It's a nutty picture, as we like to say here in the States. Mm. And I, you know, when, when we were talking about it, uh, when the Hauser Knots and I were talking about it afterwards, we're wondering, mm. is Wings really in the same movie that the rest of the people were in? Was he in the same movie the director wanted to do? Yeah. We weren't completely sure. And, um, but it doesn't matter. That's the thing. Also, he did a, he's done a ton of television work over oh, here yeah. in the, he's been in on the latter part. Yeah, he's been and, well, all the shows. Yeah, he did four episodes of Murder, She Wrote, with Angela Lansbury. She liked him. He had nothing but great stuff to say about her. Um, but, you know, he did an episode of Hunter, which I'm assuming you guys have down under. Uh, it was a Steve Cannell show with Fred Dreyer as kind of a TV-sized Dirty Harry. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's it's out there, and apparently it's popular around the world. Wings played a, a badass bounty hunter in that episode, which I thought was particularly um, entertaining. In fact, the way uh, – well, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, Maybe I should, maybe I should. Anyway, but there's a choice he makes as an actor, which I thought was great. And I said, is that you? Or did that, and he goes, of course it's me. You know, he's always looking to be entertaining and a little different. Yeah. I'm getting a ton of messages over here. What's going on here? My partners, of course, know I'm doing something. That's and um, anyway. Yeah, but uh, no, it's, it's like you say, it's uh, and, and a lot of independent documentarians or independent filmmakers like yourself who are making these wonderful documentaries about uh, about all these people like Larry Cohen and uh, and now Wings and I've I've seen some of the best documentaries honestly that I've seen in the last uh, the last five years to be honest are, are all been independently uh, produced by people like yourself and your team and like you said when you support these uh, kickstarters uh, or, or any kind of um, campaigns launched by these uh, filmmakers you really are assisting in the documentation of, of history. I remember when uh, the uh, Australian filmmaker Mark Hartley came out with uh, Not Quite Hollywood. I don't know if you've seen that about the uh, the age of Oz, the, the dawn of Ozploitation. Um, 
I didn't just see that film as a great documentary. It was like, well, that's an important part of our our cinema history. Like we had we had this this boom for this short time, kind of like Wings. He had this, even though he's been he's been doing it for a long time. He had a period where he was like, he was, you know, he was uh, you know king of the hill, so to speak. The, the thunderbolt that can't be tamed. <laughs> as Love a- that. I'm stealing that. Yeah. I know that that will uh, catch fire here in the states. That's that's but, that's that's a lyric from his uh, his song, right? Well, to your point, and this is an important thing for me. Um, I just love the idea of creating living history. Hmm. Um, so many of class, so many people who were part of classic Hollywood hmm. um, were not interviewed in any way that's easily accessible over here in the states and i'm sure you have youtube down under Hmm. uh there's a guy named dick cavett who was sort of a kind of a little bit of an elitist interviewer he did a late night uh talk show or chat show right yeah Uh, and occasionally you can see some of those interviews uh on youtube and he talks to people like robert mitchum he 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 scored a two-part interview with Catherine hepburn Hmm. Orson Welles, um, uh, Richard Burton. Richard Burton, yeah. He had a lot of stars, and they they may be the only kind of slightly in-depth interviews with those stars that exist. And and, and I think what happens is growing up when I grew up, you kind of took all this stuff for granted, and anybody who did film history, especially books, that was very fringe. It wasn't fringe for me. I gobbled those up like like, uh, like M&Ms. Hmm. But part of what I, when I started doing DVD special features, I was working on a TV sh- series called Combat. It was a show I watched with my dad. And I said, wow, I have an opportunity to meet, which was a treat, but but talk to all these people who were responsible for that show. I did two commentary tracks with Robert Altman. Wow. You know, yeah, yeah. And Altman said to me when we were done, he says, I, I don't know that I could have done those those any better today than I did then, which I thought was a very interesting revelation. And which, I had it on the record. Which commentary? So, which films? Are uh, uh, it's the old combat TV show. I think it, oh. there were two episodes. Um, one was, I think, called Cat and Mouse. Right. And the other one was called... Um, it's one where Vic Morrow and the squad get captured mm. and Vic Morrow's hands get burned and it's almost like an LSD trip. Right, right. Uh, and that episode got Robert Altman fired, by the way, from the show. All right. But 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 anyway, what I, I realized was, I mean, I talked to Altman, I talked to Sutton Rowley, I talked to a number of people, all of whom are gone now. Mm. And I was able to get that down and I just, you know, and, and I said, wow, I got to keep trying to do more of this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, part, partly because I'm the audience for it, nope. but partly because I think it's a really good idea to get it done. And, you know, just getting back to the idea of supporting the kickstart yes. is the the economics of making any movie, whether it's an A-list movie or a documentary, an, an indie, the economics are very tough right now. And so having the support of the fans through kickstart kind of helps these movies get made yes and so in a sense it's like when people uh their books that get published mm. because of kickstarter where they'll they'll have a campaign and then you get to see this like i'm a big fan of, of illustration as i said before yeah. uh 
uh, you know, and you have these 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 great coffee table books, which could only exist now in the Kickstarter universe. And I think a lot of documentaries are existing now because of Kickstarter, because of the support of fans saying, yeah, I'm interested. I want to know more about that subject, that genre, or in this case, that actor. Yes. And of course, you've uh, with King Kong, and again, with this film, you've picked uh, two guys who have had not only rich lives, but they they are so colourful and they're so good at recounting their uh, their myths and misadventures. Um, very, he's very articulate. He's got great recall, and he's what a surprise! Very entertaining. Oh, as a as a storyteller, and very candid. Oh, nothing was nothing was off limits. There's some dark stuff in there. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's <clears throat> that, I mean, that's that's what you know. I mean, so so. so so many times when I read reviews of certain documentaries, particularly I've noticed the last uh, the last couple of years, a lot of the uh, a lot of the reviews in the in the bigger trades often talk about you know it was a fun, it was entertaining, but it lacked depth. And and sometimes I think that maybe some people that are the subjects of these are afraid to reveal, uh, you know, show us behind the the facade. So to speak, show us behind the the celebrity or behind the the characters. So to say, well, I want to keep that part of my life private. But I think that um, when they are open and and allow you into the not so much into the the, the sandbox, but they they give you that you know they're not saying that that you know I'm. <laughs> You know, I'm far from I'm far from I'm I'm far from a perfect person. I, I'm I am a human being, and I think that's what people want to see. They want to see stories of of talented people. They want to see success stories, but they also want to see the you know the state of the human being, like behind that, like what what that kind of life, leading that kind of life, does to you personally, what it does to you professionally. I mean, obviously, the harder you work at anything. Uh, especially for actors and and uh having once been an actor a long time ago uh you know i know what it's like to to go get to as many auditions as possible sometimes you don't even get through the door sometimes you get your head in the door no you're too tall you're too short you know it's like the, it's like tootsie you know uh, you, you need to be taller you need to be shorter you need to be you know and uh for anyone um, that sticks it out for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years is, you know. Yeah, longer in Wing's case. But right. you, make a really, you make a great point that, you know, we think of our stars as almost godlike or titan-like. Yeah. And, you know, Wings is a working-class everyday guy uh, with kind of a unique talent, but he... he there are a lot of bumps in the road. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm going to sort of focus on is that his journey in many ways could be the journey of any actor yeah. that, you know, by, by talking about what he went through. Um, and listen, I think there are some instances where he was his own worst enemy. And, you know, we're, you know, he, again, he was very candid, yeah. um, but he, he loves, you know, he, well, he was started out, he wanted to be a, a professional football player here in the States. Right. And he also loved baseball and he's always used the sports metaphors. And, but the, 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 I think the, the gel 
you know, if you say, well, what, what, what held his, his career together? And it was the desire, as he put it, to be in the game. You know, he said to me, he says, I love to play. I love to be on the field. I love to do it. Yeah. And, um, and that sort of is an amazing story because again, he had a lot of bumps in the road, personal bumps. Um, he's had, uh, you know, a couple of health issues um, that a lot of actors have, but he was always very candid and honest about it. And, and, but he, you know, it's, it's funny. You get to a certain point in your life, you say, well, do I have any regrets? And I don't know that he has any regrets. You know, it was all part of this grand adventure that he went on. And, and I think that's what fascinates me the most because, you know, creative people get sort of so caught up in success Um, And I think he he was, too, to some degree. But for him, the beginning of his career all the way to right now, he loves to act. He loves to be in the game. He loves he loves working with other actors. It's not about his ego. You know, his wife, his current wife, made an independent movie, which is very interesting, offbeat. And I'm not even entirely sure I completely understood it, maybe because I'm not smart enough. But, you know, he was. He gives, I think, one of his best performances in this in this interesting offbeat, uh, independent, very independent. Mm. Um, and you just go, it doesn't matter. It with him, it's not about the money, it's not about the trailers, it's not about any of that stuff. He likes to play baseball, to use an American phrase. And I think that's an important component. If you want to be an actor, you should do it because you have to do it. Yes. Like to do it, or because you want the trappings. I mean, look, everybody wants a house in the Hollywood Hills. Everybody wants a couple of cars. Everybody wants to have enough success where they don't have to worry about the price of anything. Mm. But you sometimes wonder, but do they really like to do the work? Exactly. Yeah. I often we I, love I, to do. The work. You hear people talking in coffee shops. They go, "Oh, these actors get you know hundreds of millions of dollars. What?" You know, do they do it for the hundreds of millions of dollars, or do they do it because they, because it's a, it's essential. It's part of who they are. You know, I mean, uh, I think that anyone who attacks anything they want to do in life with every ounce of passion within themselves can't help but succeed. Now, success is like a piece of string; can be as long or as short as you like. You know, for some people, a million dollars is success. Some people, just to have their book published, to have a movie come out, you know, at the most basic level, you have succeeded. If you started, a, if that's if the look, it's like your film now. If you you run this campaign, you get the funds, you finish the film. It's a success. Like either way, it, you started something, you finished it, it comes out, you've succeeded. If you make a million dollars, that's great. That's gravy. But, you know, that's not the point of it. You, you, you're you sitting on a great story. You have a very, you have a very great gift as a, as a storyteller using storytellers telling their stories. And, you know, whether you make a fortune or not, you've, you've, You've told a great story. You've made a great documentary. You've captured a history that may, may or not, if unless you decided to do it, may or may not have been captured. So, either way, you're a winner, Steve. 
either well, way. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take everything that you said and, and, and add to it by saying uh, the doing of the work is the reason why you do it. Hmm. You know, my mom, who was a, uh, a depression era child, you know, it's always about money. It's always about money and security. And it really wasn't until maybe the last, I don't know, X amount of years where I said, you know, mom, for better or for worse, this is what I do. And she actually got it because I've always done creative type work, whereas my brother was a you know more traditional business guy. Right. And she understood that, but she never understood what I did. Um, and so but but you do it because you have to. Um, the other thing is, you know, as a screenwriter, I've written a number of specs. And the propellant to get to the end was I wanted to see how it was going to turn out. Because, okay, if I sell the script or I don't sell the script, I can still see it in here. And those are usually the ones that get finished. You know, I once said to somebody about writing, I said, never write to the marketplace. And that's not an original thought because a lot of people say that. But I will add to that. And I always say, well, yeah, but write a movie you want to see. Yes. Don't think about a movie that you, that you think will sell. Yeah a movie that you want to see because if you want to see it then if you're promoting it or pitching it or pushing it it's it's truthful you know you say well i you know this this is an interesting story and you got these genre elements and all, all of this kind of stuff yeah but that's what pushes me to finish these movies like when i did when i started larry and i had my idea for larry and i think i told you this when we previously talked hmm. that um, I, I had a couple of reasons for doing it. One was I thought it was, you know, Roger Corman was always called the King of the Bees. Roger didn't write any of his own stuff. Larry wrote, produced, and directed his own stuff. So he was a true auteur. Yeah, I, listen, I like Roger and I give him credit for it, but Larry wrote his stuff. Yes. yes. And, um, and, I, and I wanted to focus on somebody who was like the total package. Yeah. And... And but I wanted to know more about it. You know, it was a movie I wanted to see. Yes. And then and then when when I met Matt Verboys and I communicated it, you know, he said, I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna do it because he wanted to see it too. And I think that's the trick. And and when I, and when we had this whole thing with Wings, we never knew we were gonna back into making a movie. It was just it was an idea to help us get through COVID in an entertaining way. And then I met this guy, and when you talk to this guy, we're going. I want to make this story because I'm curious, you know, as, as I do all the interviews and stuff like that, you know, I'm learning also about a time period that was very vital for me, which was the home video uh, arena, yes. the go, go eighties, as I like to call them, you know, when, you know, when I wrote chopping mall, yes. uh, boy, I wish that happened again, uh, where we pitched it to Vestron video and, and it was like some kind of crazy quilt version of an outline or a, or a summary or, or a, you know, it was kind of a little bit of this, you know, uh, mutt in terms of a presentation. And we had a go picture in a week without a script. Yeah. They said, we like the idea, write it, make it. And we were doing it with the Cormans who were trusted to, you know, make sure that it got done. But that never happens today. No. You know, and so when we did that, again, the same ground rules apply. You know, Jim Wynorski and I, we made a movie we wanted to see. 
um, I don't know how familiar you are with shopping mall, but they break oh, into a sporting goods store and, and get some guns at Peck and Paws. Yeah. You know, haha, very clever, right? Uh, but I said to Jim when we were writing it, I said, I said, God damn it, these kids are going to have guns. I want to see them. I don't want to see them running and screaming. I want to see them fighting. And I love the idea of shooting guns in the mall. Mm-hmm. That was all just uh, scenes I wanted to see. Yes. And then all the other stuff that we came up with was all stuff we wanted to see. So it, it all goes back to never work on a project of any kind, whether it's a, a film, a music, a painting, comic books, whatever discipline you have as a creative person. Yeah, you should do something you want to see if you're doing it just for the money. And I get that. That's not the best way to go about it, in my opinion. You know, and so that's how these movies have been happening. I know. And it's I'm I'm very grateful that that people like yourself persevere and I'm very grateful to anyone who goes out right now, get to the Kickstarter, Wings Houser, working class actor. My guest has been Steve Mitchell, the wonderful Steve Mitchell. He's a wonderful filmmaker. He's got another wonderful film on his hands here. We want you, anyone listening, to go out now. Get to the Kickstarter page. Wings House, a working class actor. There are lots of different packages in there that you can get a hold of, even if it's just or pre-ordering a copy of the film on Blu-ray. But look- and you get to see the trailer if you go to the site, and you get to see the key art, which I'm, I'm very proud of. So just as a fan, it's worth checking out. That's right. Wings House, a working class actor. Get over to the Kickstarter now. Thank you for listening to Cinema. You get it.